Evening, everyone. How are we doing? All right? It's really great to see you. We didn't know if anyone would actually turn up. So let's have a cheer for everyone who hates football. Uh, good to know you're out there. Well, welcome. So um, this is the last little series that we've been doing called Contested. Basically talking about why it's tricky being a Christian. Why it feels a bit tough. Why it's hard. We've looked at various things, but tonight we're looking at a topic of pain. That's right. For Christmas, we thought we'd get the Christmassy mood by talking about pain and why pain is such a big deal around being a Christian and why it can make it very tricky being a lovely Christian when there's lots of pain going on. I don't know if you've ever experienced pain. Of course you have. You're stubbing your toe, falling over, all the rest of it. Pain is unique to everyone who's human in the world and that goes around and there's a lot of it going around. Not just the physical pain that we can experience in our bodies but emotional pain, sadness things getting upset, things that are difficult, or psychological pain, even football-related pain. There's lots of it that goes around. It affects us deeply. It affects everyone, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. But actually, there is a pain that's unique around following Jesus. There's a, a particular pain that if you're not trying to follow Jesus, you will never experience, you'll never know about. But it's a pain that Jesus is really clear about as he talks to his followers about what it means to follow him. Now, I don't know about you, but what your normal default setting is when there's pain is to try and, well, not feel pain and try and make things better. In fact, we as a culture are incredibly isolated and insulated from pain. We have so much comfort to us, actually far more than many people alive in the world today is. We're not very good at dealing with pain. We don't know what to do or where to put it. I have an old French car, and from time to time, little orange lights come on the dashboard. It means something is wrong. Normally, I've never seen them before, so most of the time, what does that even mean? But after a while, you get used to it, and then you just ignore it. <laughs> you get so used to the little orange lights going on. You're like, oh, it's fine. They always do that. <laughs> the car's still going. But we're very good at ignoring things and just pretending it's not there, even when it clearly is with a little orange light. There is pain all the time. And if you're serious in your faith around following Jesus, then you will have to face the issue of pain. So um, I want to read to you from a book, a letter to a church in Rome. We're going to go into Romans chapter 8. There's quite a lot of it. But one thing I want to tell you about is this phrase, the flesh. Uh, Paul, who is writing the letter to uh, Christians who are living in Rome, uh, talks about the flesh. He doesn't just mean your sort of physical skin and bones stuff. He's using that as a phrase to describe something in you, in your body, that is resistant to God. Now, if you've been a Christian for a short time or a long time, there's a bit of you that doesn't like doing the right thing. Or another way of saying it, it's the bit that likes doing the bad stuff. You know the bad stuff? Yeah, it's that bit that's like, oh yeah, I could do that. Oh, that feels nice. Oh, I'd much rather not do that. Oh, I don't like them. Hmm, I hate them. And all that stuff, that bit going on, that's the flesh. That's your, the part of you in your body, in your mind, in, in who you are that is resistant to God. It's resistant to the things of God. And even as a follower of Jesus, where we believe as we give our lives to Jesus, we invite God by his spirit to dwell in us, that unruly bit is still there. And in fact, sometimes it gets louder. It's like, I really don't like this new Holy Spirit that's now with me. Have you ever felt that tension at all as a Christian between wanting to do the right thing, wanting to follow God, but also having another bit of you that really doesn't want to? 
Well, we're going to find out about it now. I'm going to read Romans 8. It's going to come on the screen as well. And this is a passage talking a bit about that wrestle, but also how the way to get through it. It says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son Jesus in the likeness of sinful flesh, means being human, to be a sin offering. So Jesus condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, no, no, but according to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh, the bad stuff, have their minds set on what the flesh desires, all the bad stuff. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires, which is Jesus. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't like God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of the sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. That's quite wordy, I'll be honest. I had to read it quite a few times, but it's a great passage to go away and read on and meditate on in Romans chapter 8. It's really describing this battle between the flesh, the part of you that doesn't want to do what God wants, and that the spirit, as Paul keeps talking about the spirit, that is open to the work of God and pleasing God. So really simply, if you're following Jesus, there's going to be pain and suffering. And I'm really sorry if no one ever told you that. Maybe you didn't read the terms and conditions closely enough when you signed up. But actually inherit, in, inherent in walking with Jesus is to walk with pain and suffering. And you might think, well, that's a bit odd. I thought having God in your life was a good thing. As the Bible says in Isaiah 53, prophesying a long time before Jesus, Jesus himself was a man who was familiar with sorrow and acquainted with grief. He walked in sorrow and in pain. And we see that in Jesus' life. It's not just going around being all kind of super duper, but he faced incredible pain as he walked this earth. And what he said to his disciples, what he says to us today is, come, follow me. Come and walk with me. In Mark 8, there's an invitation. 
He says, he called the crowd to him and his disciples. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Jesus is using a ridiculous picture of the cross. The cross was what Romans used to kill people and Jesus himself was killed on it. But just before you were killed, you'd have to carry your cross that you were then going to be killed on. And that was your death sentence. That was literally your final bit of your life was to carry your cross to where they would tell you to stop and then kill you. Jesus is saying, yeah, you want to follow me? Great. Come along. By the way, pick up your cross because you're going to have to deny yourself. If you're going to follow me, it's a sort of shocking image. And not surprisingly, lots of people didn't follow Jesus. Thinking, this guy's, why is he saying that? It's a death sentence. Crucifixion was for rebels, people who rebelled against the powers about the way it should be, against the Romans. Actually, we're rebellious ourselves. We rebel against God. We fight against the things that God wants in our life. It's tricky for us because... Our inherent nature, the way we're wired, is that we want to put ourselves first and we want to be okay. We want to be comfortable. And it's tricky because dying is never fun or comfortable. No one's like, woohoo, going to do some more self denial. It never is that way. It's costly, it's painful, it hurts. Why does it have to be this way? Can't we just kind of come to church, sing some great songs, and love Jesus? Why was all this self denial bit? Why does it have to be so gritty? Well, the difficulty is that left to our own devices, we just don't put Jesus first in our life. We say we give you all the glory, God, but do we? Really? In our lives, do we really live that way? Jesus was glorified when he was hanging on a cross doing the will of the Father. Jesus never sinned because he would rather suffer than sin. But for most of us, it's a lot easier to sin then choose to suffer rather than sinning. In fact, you want to give God the glory, then you, you choose to suffer rather than sin. In your place of pain, God, I don't want to sin. And in doing so, God, I give you the glory. The thing is, it's going to hurt. It's painful. We have to put to death all that competes with making Jesus Lord in our life. And that's what it says, if you by the Spirit put to death the misdeeds of the body that means the stuff that fights against God and his way you will live and so it's not something that you can do humanly possible you can be very disciplined and self-controlled and lots of good things but Paul is saying if by the spirit of God you put to death these things you can't coexist and live nicely together make arrangements please and appease although lots of us try to Paul is saying there's only one thing you can do to that bit that is resistant to God, and that is to kill it. But I'm afraid we, for too long, find every other option possible apart from that. And so that's how we, that's how we find ourselves in a place of recognizing there is pain in following Jesus, and there always will be. It's not that Jesus calls you to suffer. He calls you to follow him. But if you walk with Jesus, you will find pain and suffering. And also because he goes after it. Because he goes to those who are in need, those who are in pain, those who are suffering, and stands with them and experiences it as well. If you spend time with Jesus, you will experience pain and suffering. 
I'm going to hand over to Rachel, who's going to carry on part two. Thanks, Nigel. Ooh, sobering stuff, isn't it? I wonder if you've heard of this person. He's called Miran Karimi Nasseri, and uh, his death hit media outlets this year because he died. And uh, he was an interesting character. I think I've got a picture that's hopefully going to come up on the screen. An interesting character. He moved from Iran in 1947, and um, he tried to settle in various European countries and kept being turned away because he didn't have the correct documentation and eventually landed in Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris. And that's where he stayed living for 18 years. And he lived on a bench in Charles de Gaulle Airport. And um, that made his home there. And he was surrounded by shopping trolleys and bags of all his stuff, his possessions. And he wrote about his life story and it became a, a famous film starring Tom Hanks, The Terminal, if you've seen it. And it was kind of based on his story. And it's a bit of a sad story because he was given refugee status in 2009, which meant he had the freedom to live anywhere he wanted to in France. He was given documentation so he could leave the airport. But instead, he decided to stay. He lived on the bench until he became ill and was taken to hospital. And, uh, and then he was moved to a hostel. But this year, he moved back to the bench and stayed there and until he died in November, just a couple of weeks ago. And you might have seen it in the news. This is a, just a sad, interesting story of somebody that could not move on from the bench. And it became his sort of territory, his home. He came it was his sort of familiar place, surrounded by his baggage and his bags and his shopping trolleys. And so sad because he had a whole country that he could explore, a whole country that he could live in. Freedom was his. And also he died with several thousand euros in his possession. So not only did he have the freedom, he had the resources to live anywhere that he wanted to in France, but couldn't. And um, as Nigel said, it's hard killing that fleshly part of us. It's hard to resist sin. It's hard to move away from the familiar that we've sort of made our lives around. It's hard to leave behind that baggage and weight of sin. And sometimes it's just easier to live amongst it. It's just easier to live how we know and harder to move into the freedom that God has for us, the, the expanse, the open space where he's, his resources are there for us. And I want to just kind of talk about how we do that and, and talk about two ways that this passage in Romans 8 talks about that hopefully will help us move from the place of being trapped in our sin, being comfy with it all, and move to that open, expansive place that God wants us to be. And the, the first one is a verse in uh, Romans 8 that Nigel read, verse 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And if you're a Jesus follower here today, the Holy Spirit is living within you. He's not just living in within holy people, good people, leaders at Woody's. He's living in all of us. He resides in our spirit, in our soul, in our body. His Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, is right here indwelling us. And uh, he wants us to live holy lives. The clue is in his name. He's not called Mr. Spirit. 
He's called Holy Spirit. And he wants us to live the life that Jesus calls us to, that Jesus has gifted us with his death and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit wants us to live that life that Jesus calls us to. And, and as Nigel said, we, we feel the tension of that, don't we? We feel the tension of that. We want to live kind of better lives, but we have that sort of um, life in us, the flesh life that Nigel talked about, that is sort of, we battle with. We, we kind of, we wrestle with it, we battle with it. We want to be better than we are, and then we're not, and then we say things we shouldn't say, and we just feel bad about that, and we do things we shouldn't do, and we, we kind of have this sort of battle of sin, the turmoil within us. And uh, let's be honest, all of us know what that feels like. All of us know what that feels like. But we are called to kill the flesh. We are called to put it to death. It's so strong, isn't it? It's such a strong word that the Apostle Paul talks about. To kill it, to make it die. How do we do that? That is the crucial question. How do we do that? I think he gives us two insights here. And it's not about trying harder and being better and gritting your teeth, and trying really hard to be a better person, that won't get us very far. But he does talk about our mind being governed by the Holy Spirit in that verse. Our mind needs to be governed by the Spirit. And I think there's two little clues there. The first thing is we need to make a choice. We need to decide who we want to live for. Do we want to live for ourselves and our own desires, our sort of fleshly wants, live according to kind of what feels good, what, what feels right at the time, what the culture says, what those around us do? Or do we want to make a choice to live how Jesus has called us and to follow Jesus, like Nigel said, to walk in Jesus' footsteps? I mean, that is a big thing to say we want to, going to try and do, isn't it? Because he suffered. <laughs> and that is what he calls us to. But I think the first thing we have to do, if we want to put to death the flesh is to commit and choose to follow Jesus with our mind make a decision that this is how I want to live and the second thing is to constantly welcome the power the transforming power and presence of the Holy Spirit in us because it's not about just trying harder and being better it's about opening ourselves to the freedom and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that he will give us the power to live out the life that Jesus calls us to And so constantly, day by day, moment by moment, it's welcoming the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to live how God has called us to live. And I think if we can kind of get that little um, truth in our head, that's like making a choice, making a decision, and welcoming the presence of the Spirit to help us follow through that, that will really help us kind of kill and get that fleshly spirit onto our feet. I've got my clumpy boots on because I really wanted to kind of make, make a point. Um, The Holy Spirit grows good things in us. He doesn't grow the bad stuff. He grows the good stuff. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love. Just think about your own life when I'm saying this. I'm thinking about mine. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Wow. Wow. The Holy Spirit wants to grow these things in us. And the more these fruit and attributes of God grow in us, the less our fleshly desires have space and power to do their stuff. I want to be more loving. I want to be more joyful. 
I need more peace and all the rest. I need all of those. But you know, these are our new identities when we become Jesus followers. These are the, the fruit and the attributes that should define us as people who follow Jesus. These are the things that the Holy Spirit wants to grow in us. You know that baggage at the airport and the bench? So many of us live in that place with that sort of baggage around us. And I think the Spirit of God wants to move us off the bench, wants to move us to a place of expansive space and freedom, growing the good stuff in us. There is a life out there that he really wants us to sort of live in and not live back on the bench with the, the other stuff. Second thing I want to say, I've got to speed up. And the Holy Spirit testifies, it says in verse 16, with our spirit that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So firstly, we need to be governed by the Spirit, and then we need to allow the Holy Spirit to testify with us, inside of us, that we are God's children. We're not God's slaves. We're not God's minions. We're not God's sort of, um, you know, we're not in servitude to God. We are his children. His children. He loves us. We have been adopted, it says, into the family of God. God is our Father. I know it's a big thing to get your head around. I totally get that, especially for some of us that have difficult relationships with our fathers or our families are difficult and it's hard for us to maybe think about how God can be the loving, lovely father that he says he is. But what God is calling us to is to have the family likeness that he wants to grow in us. I've got a picture here of my three sons. Have a little look. I'm just showing off basically. Oh, they're lovely. Oh, they're lovely. One of them is single. Just saying that, girls. One of them is single. <laughs> one of them is married. And one of them is um, going out with somebody. So, yeah, that, they're my three sons. Just thought I'd put that out there. Um, but can you see there's a family likeness? There's a, oh, it's gone again. But there's a family, can you pick it, put it back up? There's a family likeness there, isn't there? They all look like they've come from the same couple of people me and my husband. They're like sort of Russian dolls, on screw one, take one out, on screw one, take one out. And that's what, they've always been like that, even when they were little. <laughs> they, yeah, you can go now. You're just, they're, they're a distraction. Um, but there's a family likeness in, in them that means that it's easy to see that they've come from the same family. Or there's sort of, the gene pool is, is in them all. And really, as Jesus followers, the family likeness of Jesus and our Father should be in us. And around us, not just we look like, you know, I look like God. No, I don't I physically look like God. But, you know, we should be exhibiting the family likeness in the way we are with people and um, in our sort of spiritual maturity and in our growth. And, in, in, you know, we should love the things that Jesus loves and love the things that God loves because he wants to grow his spirit in us. And so we need to not love sin because sin put Jesus on the cross. Sin crucified Jesus. Sin put him in the grave. We don't want to love sin. We want to love Jesus and love the things that Jesus loves and be the person like Jesus. And of course, Jesus is over there and kind of we're here, but we are meant to be being transformed to be more like Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. This week, we, many of us were at a funeral of a lovely guy called Richard Wong, who was part of this church, loved this church, served so faithfully in so many areas of the church. And um, there were tributes given about him at the um, funeral. And 
Richard was a lovely guy. You only had to meet him to know that. But so many lovely things were said about him that were true. And it wasn't like I was like, oh, I never knew that about Richard. It just resonated. I didn't know him like really, really well. But they were saying, oh, he was such a faithful person. He loved Jesus. He trusted him. He loved prayer. He interceded for the hard things in the world. He placed his life in God's hands. And I thought, oh. In fact, I said to his son, I want to be more like Richard. I want to grow up to be like Richard. Because Richard wasn't perfect. And he wasn't always this, this person that loved Jesus like he did when he died. But you could see as his story was being told at the funerals, it, Richard was becoming more like Jesus. And now he's with Jesus. And one day we will be with Jesus. And so this journey that we're on of transformation, where the Holy Spirit helps us put to death our, our sinful nature and grows the nature that's more like Jesus, that's because we're heading there. We're heading to be like him. And he wants to transform us. So when we get there, we're like, hey, I've, my whole life has been, I'm becoming more like you. I'm getting there. And now I'm with you. And that's the journey that we're on. So to finish, I wonder if some of us are stuck on the airport bench, surrounded by our regrets and our mistakes and our sin and our shame. And we try to get off the bench and we do for a bit and then we kind of, we go back there because it's familiar and easier and the culture seems sort of attractive. It's easier to live like that than it is to live like Jesus. And it is, to be honest. It's hard to live like Jesus. But what Jesus is calling us to is to put to death the, the fleshly body, the fleshly desires, the fleshly wills. And he's calling us to life in the spirit, an expansive life where there's freedom and resources to live in the place where God wants us to live, not on the bench, it might be familiar and comfy on the bench, but he wants us out there in the world. And he's got all the resources that we need to do that. So I'm going to pray. And why don't you stand with me? That'd be great. And I just want to give the, the, a bit of, um, yeah, I mean, it, I, it is hard living for Jesus. <laughs> you know, it is, but it's also wonderful the Apostle Paul talks about, um, you know, as we identify with Jesus, we identify in his glory and we also identify in his sufferings. So it is both. It's glorious, but it's also marked out with suffering. But I, I just want to call us all into that place where we are more reliant on the Holy Spirit and more dependent on the Spirit of God. Because he's the only one that can transform us and help us get that fleshly, sort of um, fleshness, sinfulness in the right perspective, in the right place. Only he can do that. So I'm just going to pray and then we might, we're going to have some ministry time. We're going to ask you probably to come forward. Claire's going to lead us for that. But, you know, if we want more of God's spirit, God's spirit is here and he wants to indwell us and fill us again afresh to live for him. So I'm just going to pray first and I'll hand over to Claire. But if you want some ministry, just prepare yourself to do that, to come forward. Father God, I thank you that you know what it's like for us to follow you. And you're so aware of our frailty and our weakness. And you know what it's like. You see us. You see our sinful desires and our fleshliness. And you have equipped us and given us 
what we need to leave that behind and be transformed to be more like Jesus. And you know that it's hard for us. <laughs> you know that, but you've given us your Holy Spirit. And so, Spirit of God, I just pray, we welcome you now here amongst us. You are here, God. You're here, Spirit come of Holy God, Spirit. and we know that we need you. So we just welcome you to come. And oh, I think you want us to raise our game, mm. to raise our game and to leave behind the stuff that we think we cannot leave behind, but we actually can with God's help. So Spirit of God, speak to us and encourage us and help us to see what it is you're asking each of us to do. In Jesus' name.